0: Hey guys, welcome back to Underground Bible Study. Um, tonight we are continuing our First Corinthians study, and we are going to be in First Corinthians seven, verses one through sixteen. As we look at the study, Paul has been going back and forth with the Church of Corinth to call out their sin, to call out where they've gone wrong, and he's not doing this because he's judgmental or because he's looking down on them. He's doing it because he is worried about them. He wants them to be walking right with God. And we just did some work in chapter 6. We saw flee sexual immorality. So we pick it up here in in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we see that he dives right back in again. It starts out saying this in 1 Corinthians 7 now concerning the matters about which i wrote you you know all that stuff i just wrote you about the fleeing the sexual immorality the not suing the brothers the being pure (laughs) all that stuff that is what i'm talking about now all that stuff i just wrote you about so that's where we're at he's answering the stuff about what he wrote them about These are the matters that I'm going to talk about now. Then we pick it up in the second part of verse 1, and it says, It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her body, but the husband does. Likewise the husband does not have authority over his body, But the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish all were as myself. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. You see, Paul starts us out, and he tells us where sexual relations are good. He tells us where it's not immoral. For those relations to happen. And that is in the concept of marriage. Each woman should have her own husband. And each man his own wife. And with this it is only. The husband and the wife together. It's not anybody else. It's just them in that relationship. That lead. To it being okay. Being how God designed it. As you think about that. He continues there. And he talks about. That sexual Temptation can lead to immorality. And the question for you guys tonight is why would sexual temptation lead to immorality? It says in verse 2 But because of the t- temptation to sexual immorality. You know, that temptation is there, it is all around us. It's songs we listen to, it's the things on TV, it's the things on the internet. It is just being thrown at us again and again and again. And he goes on to say that because we don't all lack, because we all lack some self-control, that it could lead to immorality. Kind of a scary thing to think about when you have just read in chapter six how this is the sin that is against the body and how dangerous the sin is for him to say that, hey, the temptation can lead to sexual morality. But he goes on to tell us that having our own husband or our own wife could combat this temptation. The husband should give his wife her conjugal rights and the wife to her husband. You know, that's why. Because of the lack of self-control, because of that, we need to be there so Satan does not tempt us. As you think about that, why does that matter, having your own husband or wife? Because then you would be able to be within the plan of God how God designed it um I know fun topic especially for youth group um next question on your sheet there says will Satan still try to tempt even those who are married that's a big old yes he would love nothing more to have some sexual immorality to come in to have some division to come in to come in and split up a family his desire is to take glory away from God, and God designed the family. So his goal is to do that. That is why we see all these things on TV, all these songs. That's why we see all these families being torn apart, because that's what he is trying for. Um, You read on there, Paul says he wishes that all could be like him. What does he mean by that? You no, know, you see, this it's in verse seven. I wish that all were as myself, right? Then he goes on in verse eight to say, "It's good for them to remain single as I am." Paul wishes, hey, you guys all remain single. We're all in this spreading Christ thing together. We don't have to worry about that other half. We don't have to worry about where they are at, right? He's not saying that marriage is bad or that a spouse brings you down. But he's saying that, hey, you can be all in for Christ and not have any other concerns if you're single, right? Um, Married couples can do that too if they're on the same spot, right? If they're both seeking that, it's going to work out well. So he wishes they were all single. And then he tells them, but if you can't practice self-control, get married. Because it's better to marry than to burn with passion. It's better to get married than to sit there and have this passion or this temptation overtake your life. So that was a fun few verses, right? Let's go on to verses 10 through 16. There it says, To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? You know, Paul starts out there with a charge to them, and he says, not I, but the Lord. So it's really the Lord's charge to us that the wife, should not separate from the husband, and the husband should not divorce the wife. God designed marriage for one man, one woman, to cling together for eternity. In the vows, it is until death do us part. Um, In our society, we made it until that first argument does does us apart, until that first bad thing happens, and then we part. But that's not how God designed it. We are to cleave, you know, we're supposed to become one. No matter what the situation is, if you break that, it gets sticky. I can remember the scene from Fireproof, where he glued the salt and pepper shaker together. And the guy said, well, if I tear them apart, I'm going to break one or the other. That's really how God designed marriage, isn't it? But he does go on to say this. He says in verse 12, To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, by the way, if any brother has a wife who's a non believer. So he addresses the unbelievers here. He says, Hey, if you're married to an unbeliever and they consent to stay with you, stay with them. Wife, if it's your husband, stay with them. Husband, if it's your wife, stay with her. And it goes on to say, For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife. the unbelieving wife is made holy because of the husband. So this leads us to our next question. Does this mean you can be saved by the faith of your spouse? No. Um, The faith of your spouse cannot save you. Um, This is just saying that being there, you first of all could be the good godly Christian influence that brings them to the saving knowledge of Christ. But it also means that you're not going to fall into the other sins of the temptations that would be there. You're not going to fall into adultery, um, any of those sexual sins, or any of those things. You're not made holy with the thought of salvation, but made holy in the way that you are living together and doing life together like that. And hopefully, the believer is being the influence on the spouse. This by no means means that we need to date people who are unsaved just to bring them to christ um doesn't work that way um have a joke that i could use here but i will wait and tell you guys the joke in person some point but just think about this we can't do that it is not our job to save them in fact the only way you can be saved which is our next question here is through faith in christ alone um It's not because I believe, not because you believe, and that's going to save the person you're married to or dating or family. It is only through your individual faith in Christ alone. It is by grace you have been saved through Christ alone. Acts 4.12, John 14.6, Jesus is the only way which we can be saved through his death and resurrection and belief in him. So... This does not mean that you actually save them in that way. Um, and it says if the unbeliever wants to leave the marriage, allow it, and you're not enslaved. You're no longer entitled to them. So, as I thought more about this, and I thought more about that, and we just answered it a minute ago, but it's a great reminder that Jesus is the only one who can save I have heard of people wanting to get married or have a baby or do this to save a marriage or to make their life better or to be fulfilled. If that's what you're working on, it's not going to happen. Um, I was listening to a podcast with David Pollock. He is a football player, and they were talking about the husband-wife relationship this week, the family dynamics. He's talked about how it's like a pyramid. God at the top, husband-wife at the bottom. Closer they grow to God, The closer they go together, grow together, the better things are going to be. But the farther they get away from God, the worse the marriage is going to be, the worse the family is going to be, the harder things are going to be. So I just want to put this reminder here that Christ is the only one who can save. If we're looking to be fulfilled, Christ is the one who does that. We have a God-shaped hole in our heart. That is what we are missing. That is the only thing that can fulfill us. Our wife or husband our spouse our whoever we're dating family members friends they are people they are imperfect they are going to let us down so christ is the one who can save he is the one who can make us whole so as you think about this and you think about what can we learn from this what can we learn from this lesson here in first corinthians first thing i took home from it is sexual sin is serious and we need to make sure we are fighting that temptation. First of all, we flee, but that we are fighting it in a way so that we're not putting ourselves around that temptation all the time. Maybe you need a filter on your internet. Maybe you need an accountability partner. I would strongly suggest you have an accountability partner, but don't put yourselves in situations where you can fall. As youth group kids, we are not old enough to be married. so. When you hear these verses about being married and how that's where it's designed to be. Something to look forward to. But until then, we must flee. We must stay pure. And as you think about that, think about the fact about how God has designed marriage. One man, one woman, together forever. Not something to be rushed into. Not something to say, well, eh, whatever. It is something to take serious, something to be praying about. So I want to challenge you guys tonight. Pray for your sexual purity. Pray that you would walk away from those temptations, that you wouldn't try to see how close you can get to the edge. Pray for the one God has for you to marry. Pray now. I know. I'm in high school. I'm this. Start praying now. Pray that they would be seeking to be a godly spouse that you would be seeking to be a godly spouse so that you can live in God's design for marriage.